Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a one-all draw at the G-Tech Community Stadium. A very odd name for a stadium name, but regardless, that's the days of sponsorship and what we're seeing um, throughout this period of time. But regardless of that, like I said, a one-all draw away at Brentford. Certainly not a, a bad result given um, the state of play yesterday by Villa could have been a, a lot better, but a draw is a draw. Nine unbeaten now, seven wins, two draws. So you really can't complain there. Dougie Louise saving things in the 87th minute. We had our opportunities to really, uh, I guess, put this to bed at times earlier on, but couldn't capitalize. But you could also say the same to Brentford as well. But anyways, of course, it's not just me here. We do have Mr. Tom Nightingale back, shining and ready to go. So, Tom, how's it going for you? Uh, yeah, good, thanks. Not sure about shining, um, but uh, yeah, good to be back. You said it, man. Like, it's one of those games, uh, we didn't play very well. Emery came out and said we didn't play very well. He's the first to admit it, which is good. Nice to have a manager who fronts up about it. Um, and, you know, he sets such high standards that, like, Villa will have fallen way short of those standards Uh this weekend but like you said like i think we we had this conversation i can't remember which game it was wolves maybe i can't remember a, a draw relatively recently i don't know when we when again village didn't play very well at all um but we were talking about you know if you can't win games just don't lose them and that's one of the things you know save for that weird spell where we had arsenal and city and leicester and we were shipping goals all over the place which i put down to kind of like teething problems with playing out from the back um Apart from that spell, you know, we we don't we don't lose games. We don't lose these games anymore. Like that's the kind of game under Gerard, and even honestly under Smith, mm-hmm. I think we'd have lost that game 2-0, 3-0, because we just weren't at the races where we at all, really. Thank God for Emmy Martinez again uh in the first half. I'm very glad that uh dear Robin Olsen didn't get tested too sternly oh, in the second half. We'll get to that in a minute. You know, Jeez. apart from him, sp- apart from him spilling the ball and then missing an open goal, um, so you just got to be thankful and, and and take take what you can, take what you can. Like losing that game would have been a real pisser. Drawing it, honestly, I think is kind of fine given the level of performance that we put in. Given that we just it, we clearly weren't at it. Um, the main the main disappointment for me is you know in the Newcastle win the three nil we had what I think most people would say what I would say was Villa's most complete performance under Unai Emery so far to play Newcastle off the park has, has even more meaning for you and I right now recording this Sunday morning at at time of, at time of starting recording, it's only five goals that Newcastle have scored past Spurs. Um, We'll see what it is by the time we finish, but that puts that into perspective, doesn't it? That we beat Newcastle three nil, played them off the park. So then to follow that up with one of the more lackluster performances of recent weeks was a bit of a shame, but, I say, if you can't win them, don't lose them. Exactly. I feel like this 
kind of, well, especially this feeling, I would say, and probably performance, maybe the last time Villa put this out, you'd probably say would be the draw against West Ham. I think that's the one that I would probably say was, again, frustrating, but we yeah, got a point. Was, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it it is what it is. I mean, we can't have a perfect game every single um, match week. So it, it is what it is, to be honest. And um, I knew Unai Emery came out in the pre-match, pre- pre-match presser. I can speak English, Jesus. You can tell it's the morning. Um, basically saying that Brentford would be one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging kind of fixture we have in the run-in here. And I mean, he's not really lying. Although Brentford have a, had had a bit of patchy form as of late, they're still a top side. They're doing incredibly well considering where they've come from and how they've risen through the league so quickly over the last uh, few seasons. But really, I, I think from kind of a my own standpoint, I always felt like this kind of Brentford then Fulham um, mini run in here was probably going to be the trickiest little patch we have because let's be honest, then kind of going on to, I think what we have United after that, I believe if I'm thinking correctly, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's one of those where you kind of, you sit back and think these are games where you have to kind of measure up again. Like when we played West Ham last season, the season before um, you kind of sit back and think, oh, we need to beat West Ham or see kind of where they were because they were absolutely flying at that point and see how we can kind of measure up to that kind of stick per se. Um, but again, we'll have to wait and see how Fulham goes. But I will say, we'll talk about Fulham in a bit. And I was saying this to you uh, before recording, Tom, if we do beat Fulham, I think that I wouldn't say it almost guarantees top eight, but it's a pretty strong argument to put us there. And you'd almost be shocked if we fell off a cliff in the last five games after that. But to get back on to yesterday's result as a whole, of course, just to break down the goals here, of course, Ivan Tony scored in the 65th minute assisted by Brian and Bueno. Um, let's see here as well. Of course, Dougie Luis scored in the 87th minute, nicely set up from Emmy Buendia. I mean, just to break down Villa's goal in particular, it was nice to see us just kind of simplify things. Um, Digne just dropping it into the box. I wish we kind of did that more throughout the game. It really caused them some problems the few times that Villa actually did that. Of course, a little kind of um, scuffle in the box. Brentford to clear, cleared it twice, but Villa took advantage of that and, of course, leave with one point, which... All in all, it's it's a good point. It keeps us sixth on 51 points, plus four goal differential. Of course, Liverpool are now behind us by a point, have a game in hand. Brighton have three. They're two points behind us. Um, then Fulham also have a game on hand, but they are six points behind us as well. So all things actually kind of coming up Villa even with results not necessarily going our way at times. But to look at the stats themselves, and I mean, it's another game, Tom, where Villa have actually led possession uh, 58 to 42 I really watching everything back again didn't really feel like that but I, I guess that's the way it went uh, 14 shots to their 16 we had two on target out of those 14 which you want to consider actually a very very poor stack considering the shot output they had five on target we had four corners to their eight uh, also Villa had eight fouls to their 12 so all in all nothing really incredible kind of showing from that but Really, if we're if we're gonna break down the game as a whole, you'd probably say, Tom, we had the better first half, and then really that second half. I mean, you'd have to say we got away with one, wouldn't you? I think so. Like like we said, like honestly, with Tony scoring what like midway through the second half, um, I'd I'd given up hope of salvaging a draw um, by about certainly by about 75, 80 minutes. 
And then after the game, I kind of felt bad, you know, for doing that. I was like, that's that's me slipping into old Villa fan habits, where if you go one nil down, sixty something minutes, the game's dead, you know, the game's gone. Because we're so used to that, I think, as Villa fans over the years, like not really necessarily having the level of fighting spirit that you'd want to see um, in attempting to mount a comeback in those situations. But, you know, this is Unai Emery's villa. This isn't Steven Gerrard's villa or even Dean Smith's villa. Um, it's not Paul Lambert's villa. Shout out to you because I know you love, talking about, you, know, <laughs> you love talking about Paul Lambert. Um, you know, it's this is Unai Emery's villa. And we are, I genuinely do believe that already we are a different animal compared to where we were six months ago or whatever it is. And so I just felt a bit bad after the game for not believe, not having the faith that we would find an equaliser. It didn't really look like one was going to come from anywhere. But one one thing I will say is that after Brentford scored, I thought that a few few of our players really stepped up. I thought Dougie Louise stepped up even before he scored. I thought Emmy Buendia stepped up. He does this thing where I know he frustrates some people because he's one of the ones who tries a lot, right? And a lot of it doesn't come off. And so you, you end up losing the ball a bit. It's just the nature of the position and and the role you're trying to play. But one thing you can say about Brendia is he puts he puts the team on his shoulders uh, in in tough moments when Villa needs something going forward. Emmy Brendia, all five or eight of him or whatever he is, uh, steps up and shoulders that burden. And I thought he 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 really stepped it up last 15, 20 minutes. Also, you mentioned him already. Shout out to Luca Dean because you know Alex Moreno's come in, taken Luca Dean's spot, which I think. Most Villa fans are pretty happy about. Alex Moreno's been playing very well. Um, but for me, like Moreno and Dean at left back, that really epitomizes what we want as Villa fans. Because like Luca Dean, he got a little bit of a bad rap, I think, during the end portion of Gerard's time in charge, um, when quite frankly, everything was terrible. Um, he's a quality player, Luca Dean. You know, he's not necessarily a world-class left-back, but at Premier League level, he's a he's a good left-back. And so to have him able to come in like he did for the final however many minutes it was, I don't know when he came on for Moreno, but a um, couple of really dangerous balls into the box, heavily involved in the lead-up to the equaliser. And he's just... Uh, it, it's, it's, it's this quality and depth that I think, particularly if Villa this season are going to get to where we're now hoping they're going to be, you know, seventh or higher as a finish. Um, that's the kind of thing we need more of, right, is quality and depth. And so I just thought, I thought Luca Dean stepped in, did very well. But above all, like the, I called it daylight robbery on Twitter when we equalised because um, it did feel a bit like that at the time. But I also think there's a wider point you can make that it's just testament, I think, to the spirit in this Villa side, the professionalism and the actual winning mentality that, Emery has clearly instilled in the players already. Like you saw it when we scored. Doug, Dougie Louise obviously giving it large to the away fans after he'd scored his equaliser. John McGinn coming over, tugging him back to the centre circle, saying, let's go on and try and win this game. You know, we didn't really threat. We didn't, I mean, I suppose we were pushing, weren't we? I think genuinely, I think, had that equaliser come in the 80th minute, not the 88th, I wouldn't, I'm not ruling out that we'd have won that game. Because we were going to push, like we were clearly going to be in the ascendancy. It's just we ran out of time, um, which is a shame as far as the game itself goes. But it's a great sign, isn't it, really, for the future and for the level of belief and confidence that this Villa squad have, even when games aren't going particularly well. Yeah, and I mean, the thing too, I think the biggest shame from yesterday was literally as Brentford scored, like if there would have been a stoppage of play before that, 
there would have been a number of substitutions. And realistically, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And we could easily say that goal wouldn't happen, but it's likely it probably wouldn't have. Um, I mean, you do sit back and look at it too. It's impressive how, and I've said this before, how we've kind of been complaining and moaning over the last few seasons about needing an improved bench and all that kind of stuff. And it's got a little bit strong, we have to argue. I mean, look at the first season back in the Premier League compared to now, you'd have to say it's improved. Um, But then when you think about it as well, the fact that Unai Emery is able to get such a performance out of substitutions and it's making a constant impact almost every time is the yeah, most impressive yeah. thing for me. I mean, all in all, aside from Robin Olsen, I mean, I hope Emmy Martinez is feeling better and his stomach's better and he's back um, for Fulham, to be honest, because we'll get on to Robin Olsen in a minute. I, I don't care if I, I bury him. It's, oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, at this point in time. But when you sit back and look at the whole grand scheme of things, I mean, Tom, would you say... You look at Ashley Young. I, I didn't think Dendonker was really bad at all yesterday. I mean, at times I thought he could have done a little bit better. Do you think, I don't want to say it's, we're becoming a, a tired squad because of injuries, but they are building up in key places. And the fact that we're relying on nearly 38 Ashley Young this consistently, I mean, what last, I think within 10 days, he played three games literally not that long ago. I mean, it's a lot to ask for him. I mean, missing Buba Karkamara, obviously. Dendonker did fantastically well against Newcastle. But, I mean, of course, he's no Kamara. So would you say that kind of the, the lack of quality in terms of rotation might be harming us a little bit right now? Uh, Yeah, I think so, possibly. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think it's kind of a byproduct of the fact that if we're being honest like whatever like whatever like Christian Perslow and people would say um I honestly think that by the end of the summer under Gerard like if we're being realistic nobody thought that we'd be in the position that we're in now yeah, obviously true. like Perslow and people will have hoped that we'll have been knocking on you know the door of well top eight but you know top six there's no way that would have been a realistic that would have been a realistic uh goal might have been an ambition but it wouldn't have been a, an actual goal i don't think um and then even january honestly like um, i know we emery went out and picked up moreno in january great addition um but even in january i think if we're being realistic by by the time we got to january any hopes and dreams that we might have had in the summer had been dashed because of you, you, you know he who shall not be named um and so you think that even when we get to January, even we had like the Brighton and the Man United games before the World Cup, but then we came back from the World Cup and like we lost to Liverpool. And okay, then we had that. I can't remember the timeline. We had the great win over Spurs, I think. Um, but even in by January, I, I can't remember, but we must have been 14th, something like that. Probably lifted slightly clear of the trouble we were in, but we can't have been, we, we must have been lower mid table. So even in January, it wouldn't necessarily, you know, nobody w- would really have been thinking, oh, we need to get like quality, a lot of quality bodies in the in the door in the tough January market because we're going to be trying to push for Europe. It's probably all about consolidation. And then what's actually happened is Villa have overachieved and overperformed um, over the last like three or four months. So I think first team wise, I think we're, we're okay. We've got, you know, we've got, got a great team playing really well particularly with the 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 energy and the confidence Emery's giving them but we definitely don't I mean you look at our bench recently we do not have a squad we do not have the squad of a top six team by not by any stretch um there's no disrespect to the guys on the bench or whatever like we're in a we're in a better position than we have been in recent years 
But still, when your squad depth is basically kind of like John Duran, Bertrand Traore, Leander Dendonka, like if we want to be in this position for the where we, where we are right now, thanks to what's kind of been flashed in the pan levels of success, if we're being honest, if we want to be in this position consistently, like the quality, the quality and the depth definitely needs to be built out. But the good thing now is that Emery and Perslow and, and you know, um, Edens and Sawiris and everyone will have seen the level of um, performance and achievement that Villa are capable of already under Emery. And so they can now go into this summer knowing that we can hit this standard and we have already hit this standard on less of a squad than we would like to have. Um, and that will just be not only fuel to the fire for them to get the recruitment, get the right players in the door, it will also, you know, give them a lot more confidence in backing Emery. Not that I can't imagine they were short of confidence, but but it's also going to be an attra- attracting for attractive for players, isn't it? Oh, like, 100%. Where, yeah. Wherever we finish, sixth, I, I'm with you. Unless we collapse terribly, I can't, we're not, I can't see us finishing outside the top eight, touch wood. That's mental though, really isn't collapse. it? When you think about it. That is crazy, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and, you know, top eight Aston Villa, going to be a lot more everyone you know when we sign players everyone talks about the size of the club the passion of the fan base like all of that and that is true and i do think a lot of players do see that and do recognize that but still the appeal is limited if you're 15th place that place aston villa whereas if you're seventh place aston villa eighth place aston villa you know touchwood sixth place aston villa um you're suddenly a whole much you know a, a whole different kettle of fish in terms of being an attractive proposition to players so I think think there's a big summer ahead, but um, so long-winded way of saying that, yeah, uh, (laughs) I don't think that we are really equipped squad-wise to be where we are at the moment. And honestly, it's, I wouldn't go as far as miraculous, but it's damn impressive, isn't it, really, that Unai's getting this tune out of of our squad at the moment. Oh, massively. And I think the thing too, like, regardless if Villa are in a European competition next season or not, if we finish eighth, the proof's in the pudding. Like this squad has to be expanded and the quality has to improve regardless. So if you're in European competition, maybe it has to be a little bit more um, or whether that means some of the youngsters like Cameron Archer or Aaron Ramsey may maybe stick around too as well. Um, I have to wait and see, but um, either way, I mean, the squad has to expand and it has to improve uh, a little bit in the first team, definitely on the bench and kind of out from there as well. But the one place that it definitely needs to improve is in backup goalkeeping. Tom, because just, I mean, the fact that Sheffield United fans said he was crap. I mean, I'm not saying Sheffield United are a poor club or anything like that because they're going to get promoted realistically at this point in time. But the fact that literally every club he's been at in the Premier League or in or around has said he's absolutely terrible and we picked him up really says a lot about, I, I guess, the time that we picked him up in the state we were at. But my God, I... Like, who is our third choice right now? Is it Sinisalo? I, I don't know. Sinisalo, I think, yeah. Just put him in goal. He can't do a worse job. Like, I have no confidence. I feel I feel so bad for him, for, for Olsen, you know. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. Like, he's, he's, presumably, he has to be a good goalkeeper. Haven't really seen very much evidence of it, but to have had the career that he's had and, and to be, like, Sweden's number one for so long, I know Sweden aren't exactly world beaters but like he must be a good goalkeeper like and he and i think he's got a good seems like he's got kind of like a good uh dressing room personality or like he's kind of well respected or whatever but there is no point denying the fact that like martinez to olsen is surely the biggest drop-off in quality 
in our squad, you know, in a particular position. Maybe you could argue this year, Watkins, given that our only other striker is John Duran, uh, who's extremely un- raw and untested. So maybe you could argue that. But like Olsen, I think you're... Uh, Honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head that it says a lot about the time, the situation the club were in when we picked up Olsen. I uh, he I do not think that Robin Olsen is a signing that we would make like this summer. No. Um Emery, I you know, I, I'm kind of expecting Emery to pluck some kind of like twenty-three year old goalkeeper from somewhere. Um, and then it turn out in like two or three years' time, or hopefully like ten years' time <laughs> with Martinez. Um, but whenever Martinez leaves the aim has got to be bringing in a goalkeeper and sort of uh, what's the word nurturing them and developing them so that whenever we get to that nasty point, we're going to get to at some point where Emmy Martinez is no longer a Villa player. We've got somebody ready to step in um, who's at at a higher level than Robin Olsen is at, because I just, he's one of those Olsen. Like I do, I feel bad. I I feel bad for him. He's, I do think he's a good goalkeeper, but like, he just doesn't help himself. Does he? Oh, really? Let's be honest. He's crap. (laughs) 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 I think I'm having a problem at the moment, given how, given how well Villa are playing and that we're in the best spot we've been for ages. I'm having trouble criticizing any Villa player. Um, But there's a reason that like a whole fan base, both in person at, at, at the, at the stadium and on Twitter and everything, a whole fan base, like cringes when we see that Robin Olsen is coming off the bench. And like, that's just not a situation that is conducive to any kind of success. Is it really like having a player coming on who makes you feel like that? And so I just, we were incredibly lucky not to lose the game. And then, you know, when he spilt that and they missed the open goal, that should have been, I think it was nil nil at that point. wasn't it? (laughs) If we'd have conceded then, I mean, that it's game over. We're incredibly lucky to get away with it. And it's just, I said it when I was, I was watching the game and I said, you know, Brent, Brentford, I can't remember who it was. Brentford went clean through on goal and scored and he was offside um, in the second half. Watching that, like if somebody goes clean through against Emi Martinez, he's genuinely so good that the balance of probability, I think, is that he will save it. Like I just don't expect somebody to score a one-on-one against Martinez. Going through against Robin Olsen, like I knew in my heart straight away, as soon as they were clean through, there's just no way he's going to save this. Like they're going to score. Um, and that's... I think we've got so used to having such a high level of goalkeeper in Martinez and being so, him being so reliable and um, just so dependable and everything that to uh, drop back down to... I don't think Olsen is terrible, but I think he's average. And I think what a part of it is, is that the drop down to an average goalkeeper now feels massive because of how True. good our goalkeeper is. I'm, I'm going to put him in the below average just to maybe be a little bit more <laughs> polite. But... Um... I, you are right. Re- okay, but th- th- maybe this is harsh. I mean, Tony's goal is hard probably to say for anybody because it really should have been just cleared, and that was Ashley Young's error. But yeah. for some reason, I just feel like Martinez would have saved that. And if you look at look at the way that Olsen, like on the obviously on the offside goal that wasn't a goal at the end, and the way he even like put his body and try to put his body in front of the ball in Tony's goal. Like for Tony's goal, he literally, I don't even know how to describe it. He like laid down. So like, even if it would have hit him, it looked like it would have like just bounced over his body for, I think it was uh, the offside goal. That wasn't a goal, obviously. Like he put his hands out, but he didn't, it it was, I I don't understand it. He's just like, like, he's very awkward. I don't like, that's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I feel like with Robin Olsen, I feel like I've seen like a dozen goalkeepers like Robin Olsen at <laughs> Villa in the last like <laughs> in the like in the last like ten years, fifteen years. Since so many of these goalkeepers who like might 
pull off occasional good saves, but like you just don't have the confidence in them at all. And then when you can, it is just when you compare it to the fact that we have like genuinely our goalkeeper is Superman. Like we yeah. have one of the best goalkeepers in the world. It's crazy. And um, I've never seen a goalkeeper like Emmy Martinez at Villa. So it just makes any, it makes that drop off in quality, I think, just like even more alarming. Um, but I mean, it's got to, it's, it's going to have to be fixed because like Martinez, you know, you're going to miss some games, right? Like next season as well. Like he's going to be Argentina's number one until he's too old to do it, I think, really now. Um, so like he's going to be traveling all over the place next year. Like he's probably going to, it's going to be difficult for him to play certain games at the end of international breaks or whatever. And there's no doubt about, there's no doubting and no denying that we need a more, we do need a more reliable deputy to step in next season if we want to be at the same level that we've been, you know, in recent weeks. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, especially if we're in Europe, like we need someone who can kind of rotate constantly. I mean, I mean, you look at West Ham's duo and although, I mean, I think they're still winning at time of recording and they're not having the greatest season um, domestically. They have a good one, two punch. You'd have to say regardless. And I think Villa need to get to that point. And it, it's probably almost a fair yeah. argument to say that beyond Martinez, Tom, like realistically the whole kind of, goalkeeping um, section of the club, of course, aside of Emmy, probably needs a, a little bit of a reboot because you think Jed Steer is probably gone realistically. Same with, uh, of course, Olsen. Um, I don't know if there's been enough progress with the likes of Sinis and I think Marshall's on loan or something. If he's still kicking around somewhere. Um, yeah. Probably. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see maybe two of them come in and maybe one or two added to the academy as well, because I think that's probably an area that we need to focus on. Because let's be honest, I mean, unless we reach probably the top four within the next one or two seasons, I love Emmy, but he's probably gone. You would have to say, unless he yeah. just wants to be a club legend and stay forever, which then I'm more than okay with. But looking at it realistically and to get that full kind of value out of him when he kind of maybe hits his peak and maybe eventually starts to decline um realistically you have to sit back and think that's probably a reality um yeah but yeah. at the end of the day um that's that so let's get back to the game here for just a moment and when i say that in particular uh we're just gonna skip over to the three word reviews i, I know we haven't talked about the game like massively in depth but let's be honest it wasn't the greatest performance 
we ran away with the point. We arguably stole it. And um, I feel like three word reviews probably described the game a little bit better and add some more fun to this podcast. So, of course, you can reach us at 7500 to hold over on Twitter. Usually goes out. I mean, this one was late. It was like half an hour after the game. So that was my bad. But usually it's about five to 15 minutes after the final whistle. Um, but the fact that so many people still got involved, I think over 100 says a lot. So let's start with Steve White saying bad days happen uh john hanley says love the resilience uh colin jackson avfc says europe still happening um steve white also says not three words but i'm going to read this anyways because some of them actually make good points if these are the lows under unai i'll take them um the villa villa news says a learning process um sue webb says good one point dave turner got a point um let's go to see here um b myth saying could do better sir harry petten essies i want to say his name is sorry if, if i absolutely butchered that um we fight on um chris did not lose craig hodgett's a good or sorry a huge relief i don't know where i got good from um <laughs> ian lines please not olsen uh linda very rough game and let's do a few more here. Let's scroll down because there's actually more than I, I thought. Um, Les White Olsen worries me. Um, VT Villa Till I Die 22 UTV basically is his name. Uh, robbed a point. I, I'm not reading out every individual letter there. That's just going to absolutely screw me up. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rob Fieldhouse, leave it Ollie, obviously referencing the last chance of the game where Emmy Buendia probably maybe would have scored if the ball fell yeah. to him. Who knows? I mean, we, we can really only speculate on that. Uh, Karen Drew, few didn't lose. And let's do three more here just to wrap it up. Uh, let's go to uh, Ben C. We're bloody thieves. Um, Stuart Owen, AVFC says ref was shit. And let's finish on, let's see here. Let's scroll all the way down to the bottom. Um oh my god there's so many i i want to get a good one I'm, i feel a little bit of pressure let's let's finish on this one uh from nigel pearson it's uh pearson's sorry or pa- wow nigel parsons i can't read today sorry nigel um he says still in sixth so that's a good way um to end that i think um actually here's a good one too <laughs> jen dog this is how i felt olsen playing china um so maybe that's one way you want to read it as well but regardless of that tom can i have your three word review please oh yeah i think i'll just go for take the point because you know i i agree with the 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 review that you read out that was very much not three words but it was like if you uh what was it if uh if these are the bad days under emery we'll take them we're doing all we're doing all right we'll take them that's that's exactly how i feel i'm gonna be honest with you like exactly how i feel like we're, we're we're so used over the years and not even years ago like over the years up until about six months ago we're so used to our bad days being like three nil defeat at mid-table club you know or taking a first half lead and then losing the game 2-1 with two second half goals you know like bad days used to be bad yeah um frustrating at best and genuinely infuriating at worst um or demoralizing whereas now bad days are just when it doesn't quite all click you know, like the, the 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 difference in the difference in levels is crazy compared to where we were. I know I keep saying it, but it's the one thing I need, think we all as fans need to make sure we do um, over the next like four or five weeks 
we all want Europe, right? Um, of course we do. But let's not lose... We can't lose sight of the fact that if things don't go 100% to plan over the next five weeks and we don't get Europe, this season has still been a resounding success in the context of everything. Because like we started the season with Gerard, and honestly, like it became very apparent very quickly that with Gerard, our ceiling was what 10th like do you really generous (laughs) yeah i mean do you really do you really think we'd we could finish top like we had even the potential within us to finish like in the top half under gerard because i don't you know if he he stuck Um, around for the whole season we were relegated well yeah yeah quite you know exactly so the the season's still a resounding success in terms of where it's gone like we've we've ditched genuinely the person that i think is the worst manager that we've had at villa in Certainly, a while we've had a fair few of them. And, but, um, uh, post relegation, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. certainly in a while. To we've gone from him to having the best manager I've ever known at Villa, and I think there are. I think Unai Emery is the best manager that Villa fans, a lot of Villa fans who are a lot older than I am, have ever seen at the club as well. Um, that in itself is success. If we fall short and we finish eighth, finish ninth, even which I, I agree with you, I don't think we will. I think we're t- we're a top eight team now. Um, but if we fall off and we finish eighth, I just want to make sure that we're all we all keep the big picture in mind, right? We're taking not only steps, I said this on a pod recently, we're taking not only steps forward but strides forward. And I really mean it. Like everything about Villa is better than it was like six months ago. Um, so if these are the bad days where you have to scrape a one-one draw at a, by the way, a what a Brentford, like eighth, ninth. Uh, you know, then they're, they're no slouches, that's for sure. Um, so it's not even like a draw. It's not even like a draw away at Brentford on paper is a bad result, really. Um, so if these are the if you know if these are the bad days and the things that we get frustrated about now, then that's you know amazing progress, isn't it? Really. Um, oh, and I'm kind of glad that the games come thick and fast. Like we were talking about this beforehand. I wouldn't want to be Brighton right now. Got to be honest with you. Playing every four days or whatever until the end of the season, even if they lose today. Um, but I am glad that you know I'm glad that we've Fulham at home on Tuesday. I think this this result at Brentford coming back and you know they'll be really frustrated that they didn't have enough time to win the game. They will really have believed that they they could have won the game after they equalised. Villa that is obviously. Um, now with Fulham on Tuesday, I think it's really good that we get to roll into a home game against another team who Fulham are, again. Um, I don't think we should assume that we're going to beat them because they're tough, but the way that we've been playing, certainly before this weekend, you would like to think that we'll go out there and in full confidence and full belief that we that we can and should win that game. So I think it's really good we get to roll into another game because you wouldn't really, you know, you wouldn't really want, I don't think, the players to be stewing on that Brentford game all week. Okay, it ended quite well, but like they'll have been really frustrated that they, they didn't hit the level they've been hitting in recent weeks. So let's just come out Tuesday night, Fulham, um, take the game by the scruff of the neck from the off in a way that we weren't able to do at Brentford and see where we go from there. If we, you know, if we beat Fulham on Tuesday, the fr- all of the frustration of this Brentford game will be forgotten straight away. It's the nature of football. And um, like we say every week, every time I sit down to watch Villa now, I truly, in my heart, believe that they can win the game. And that in itself is kind of amazing. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Well, Tom, I think that was the longest three-word review I've ever heard, but you covered a lot of excellent points. (laughs) 3,000-word review. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm going to go with uh, nine games undefeated. I mean, like, it's kind of 
crazy that we've even gotten to this point um and every single game you've touched on we go into with a lot of confidence and really i still feel like we can get a point or at least beat anybody and it's amazing to say that and i mean i catch myself literally every day when i look at the table um and i always want to scroll further down but the fact that villa are so high up it almost makes me feel un- marginally uncomfortable but regardless of getting that, used to doesn't it yeah, yeah it, hopefully it's something that sticks around for a very long time indeed but um, I think we'll skip the um, match balls for um, for yesterday's game, of course, Saturday's game, because um, to be honest, I, I feel like there wasn't maybe too many that really stood out. And I really want to get onto the Fulham um, game coming up because we are running short on time here. So I know, Tom, you've kind of mentioned it, of course. Fulham are ninth right now on 45 points. Um, they did win, of course, their game on Saturday. A good result for them. Um, so as of recording, of course, they have, I think, a game on hand on us. They're six points behind us. So, of course, them beating us would be massive. That would only put them three points behind us, and that would obviously still give them an argument to finish inside, you would say, the top eight, of course. So, I mean, heading into Fulham, I know you've, like I literally just said, you've kind of rushed on it already, but, I mean, you have to go into this game with confidence, and, I mean, the Villa team that show up for this game are vastly different from the team that we saw Steven Gerrard get sacked shortly after uh, the final whistle, you'd have to say, wouldn't you? I mean, same players, really, but I mean, the mentality is completely different. It's unbelievable how long ago that feels. Like, it's crazy, isn't it? That was the absolute low point. Um, and it feels so long ago, and that's testament to the progress we've made. Be a tough game, but I don't know. I, I, I still, I'm not good at sound. I'm still not good at sounding confident predicting filler games because it's just years and years and years of uh conditioning to be cautious but i think if i'm being honest i think we'll win i think we'll bounce back nicely i think ollie will score again um get that confidence boosting win get back into the stride of things and that will if we can win on tuesday that will really set us up for like the you know the big push i guess over the final uh over the final five games after tuesday so let's do it, you know, as long as they go out there from the off. Um, don't show too much respect to Fulham. Like, Fulham are decent. You know, they're a, they're a very decent side, but Villa players got to be going out thinking they can win that. I want to see that arrogant swagger back that we had against Newcastle, that we had against Chelsea. Even Chelsea wasn't a, wasn't a superb performance, but, you know. Um, but we've had that, that kind of arrogance um, and that swagger about us. That was missing for the first time in a while again, at Brentford. Um, as long as that comes back on Tuesday, um, then I think the results will come with it, to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. And even just looking at Fulham results, of course, um, they've won the last two, of course, they beat Everton three, one away. Um, and then just, of course, as of uh, Saturday beat, uh, Leeds United two, one at home, of course, two, two clubs that are struggling around the relegation spot. So, um, I guess you would really say maybe challenging games in that mentality, but let's be honest, both those sides have been incredibly poor this season, and maybe those aren't too surprising. Prior to that, of course, they lost to West Ham uh, 1-0, Bournemouth 2-1, of course, uh, lost to United in the FA Cup, where a lot of things went down in that game. <laughs> I've never seen so many red cards within a sequence of time. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, that of course, they lost to Arsenal, then Brentford, 
Um, and then, of course, drew to Wolves. So really, before their uh, little mini two-game winning streak heading into the game against Villa, their last win was February 18th against Brighton 1-0, which, of course, was a, a very good result for them. So a little bit of a sticky patch that they're coming out of and into some good form. They're still missing Mitrovic um, as well. So, I mean, they're picking up the slack where where it needs to be done. They're still not scoring an incredible amount of goals. Some of those games. And I think it was even the Everton game where they won three, one. I can't remember if it was Seb saying one of his friends is an Everton fan, or someone said this to me where even though it was a three, one win and a three, one loss for Everton, of course, they were stunned that it was three, one because it was an incredibly poor performance by Fulham as well. But maybe that speaks more so to the standard of Everton (laughs) at this point in time as well. But you are right. You have to go into it with a lot of confidence. And I, I mean, just that mentality switch, it's it's so much different. I, I feel like if we kind of put both squads beside each other and, I mean, assuming that Martinez will play and the stomach bug is gone, I mean, we're basically – I, I don't want to say this arrogantly because they do have some players having some brilliant seasons. I would say we're basically better at every position, arguably. Of course, maybe you can make some arguments further midfield um, throughout that because some of those players, like I said, are having a good season. But there's no reason to go into that game and not win, to be honest. And and I think yeah. the way that this game, this is the game for me, and I said this to you before, Tom, um, when we start recording, this is the game for me that if we win this, this separates us and basically in my mind cements us in the top eight because we would have to fall off a massive cliff because you would think there's going to be probably a few more wins after that, maybe a draw somewhere in there as well. Um, the argument's too strong at that point to say that we don't finish in the top eight and really kind of project on from there. Um, not to say Fulham, yeah. I mean, Christ, Fulham finishing in with, within the top 10 the first season back in the Premier League's a massive achievement, regardless of some of the players that they were able to recruit in the summer. So that's good on them as well, but not trying to sound arrogant, but I mean, three points is like absolutely 100% expected for me. Yeah, I think if I, like they have a couple of players who worry me, like we're going to have to we're gonna have to work hard to lock down. Like Willian's an incredible form for, th- I think it's 34. He's okay. having a renaissance. It's unreal. Yeah, it's unreal, isn't it? So I think Willian's their main danger man for me. I'm a bit worried about um, Charles Paulina, I think is good in midfield and Andreas Pereira as well. Um, they they have they have quite a lot of steel in midfield and they um, it's their ability to create chances quickly from deep that, is I think they're, they're going to be the biggest threat, particularly as they're presumably going to be kind of sitting in and hit trying to hit us on the counter attack is what I would you know what you'd expect. So like Willian on the counter attack against Ashley Young could be pretty dangerous. Young will have to have a pretty sharp game. Um, but you're right. I do think like Marcus Silva, by the way, also is an, I think is an excellent manager. Um, I think that's one of Everton's biggest mistakes of recent years was getting rid of him. But you know, so it's not that they don't have danger, but it's not that they're not difficult. I'm not trying to dismiss them like that. But I just, this feels like, you know, Villa Villa of old, for past years, I'd have been worried that the performance we put in at Brentford might be, might signal a bit of a, a, the start of a bit of a dip. And I'd be a bit worried about Tuesday. With Emery's Villa, it's the opposite, actually. I think that, you know, you've seen, we've all seen through the little snippets they post on social media or whatever, the way that the intensity with which Emery prepares for every game and um we all hear him like the, the the standards he holds his players to is unbelievable um saturday won't have been good enough for emery and he will make damn sure that tuesday is better 
uh, full confidence in it. Um, so like I said, hopefully the result comes, but as long as we have the arrogance and the swagger and that sort of um, almost disrespect for your opponents, as long as we get that back, um, I'll be a, I'll be a happy viewer. Really. Yeah, Tom, you're hundred percent correct. And I, I mean, kind of looking at it as well. I mean, we all saw the the photos of Unai Emery on the bus. I, I can't remember. It was a few weeks ago. I can't remember which match or a couple weeks ago, maybe. Um, do you know which match that was now I'm thinking about it? Uh, no, we had a really tight turnaround again, didn't we? I can't remember. Yeah, but regardless of that, of course, he had the laptop open. He was already on to the next game. Um, and kind of with that mentality, I kind of felt like heading out of Brentford, um, he probably had that laptop open literally walking out of the stadium because he just was not that happy yeah, with it. Probably. And you know, he's already probably held sessions or something like that with with the players to review video or something home with some homework. So um, they're going to show up. It's going to be a little bit different. And uh, not to say that Fulham won't be a, a very tough task. There, someone in and around us and still have the argument to finish above us. Um, but I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of lessons learned and it's, it's kind of almost strange under Unai Emery where we've had a little bit of dip. And like I said before, the last one was probably West Ham. Um, but immediately after that, the follow-up is just, amazing the rebounds have been fantastic and uh i mean there's going to be probably a, a dip eventually hopefully it's not this season um but regardless of that um i mean you have to go in with a lot of comments like i said and i mean you, you can't be a bad manager a bad side if you've scored in every game that unai Maria has been at the helm of villa for being 19 which is right. insane that's the most what successful um start to a managerial career in premier league history so um I don't know. I, I just love the guy. He's gonna he's gonna win us the league next season at this rate. I don't know. I don't know what more to say. But before we wrap things up, Tom, uh, can I get your score prediction? Let's let's be bold here and brave. Why not? Uh, yeah. Tuesday. I think I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna go with a solid two nil. Two nil. Um, I do think Fulham pose a bit of a threat, but I think the reaction that Emery will demand from Villa's players almost on its own will be enough for us to raise our performance back to the kind of levels that we've got used to seeing over the last the last few weeks. And to be honest, if Villa play as well on Tuesday as we've played in a lot of games over the last few weeks, it, it should be too much for Fulham. So I'll go 2-0. I'm going to go 3-1 just because Ollie Watkins didn't score on Saturday, so he's due a brace. Um, and I have him in my fantasy league team now because I joined the party late. Um, I was a little skeptical about doing that, but uh, so... Ollie, please, please come in well for me at this point in time. Um, you know, I still, yeah. I, I haven't put, I haven't put Watkins in my fantasy team all year. I just refuse to do it. On, I'm just so scared of jinxing him because um, obviously, I don't know why I think that I'm the important person. That me putting him in my team would be the thing that jinxes him. But I'd rather not. I'd rather not just mess with it. Do you know what I mean? Let him do his thing. Yeah. Well, I'm one of the idiots that thought oh, maybe Holland will take a few games, so I'll put him in like on week like or game week two or three and then yeah that was an absolute mistake um but uh anyways we we, we live and we learn tom we live and we learn but anyways guys we'll we'll we do yeah. things at that thank you very much tom for joining me of course you can find tom on twitter at td nightingale you can find me on twitter at talk aston villa tweet the team at 7500 holt you can email the podcast holtcast at gmail.com and of course check out the website triple w dot 7500 to holt.com i'm hoping 
Um, we should have a match review out bright and early on the Wednesday. I don't know if I'll have a preview after that, but anyways, we'll, we'll give you updates as podcasts come out. Hopefully everyone enjoyed this. And of course I should say this more, but uh, if you're listening on Spotify, Acast, Apple podcasts, wherever you're listening, uh, leave a review. It just makes it easier for people to find us. It makes us happy and uh, yeah, it makes Phila more successful. So let's get like a million likes or something like that and start that trend and uh, go from there. But anyways, we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.